Welcome to the Glow Up Lounge, a place where the beauty industry finds connection, inspiration, and motivation. I am your host, Brianna Pinales. Thank you so much for tuning in. I cannot wait for you to hear this week's episode. Well, Matthew Landis, thank you so much for being here with me today. I would love for you to maybe um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you've gotten to be where you're at. Well, I, you know, I've been in the beauty industry since 1995, so I've been, if that puts it into perspective, that was the first season of Friends. Um, <laughs> I learned how to do a lot of round brushing. I learned to cut a good Rachel. Um, I bet you did. Perm, we were still doing perms. They were on their way out and the round brush was on the way in. But yeah, I've been doing it for 30 years. I worked in New York, Atlanta, Miami. I managed and owned salons and spas. So I worked with a variety of professionals over the years. I taught for Aveda and L'Oreal. Um, I did television. I did the local, uh, I did Good Things Utah for almost 18 years. Um, so and then I got involved with Image Studios back in 2009 when they were first beginning. And, and that's a salon suite concept. We now have about 180 locations nationwide. And I teach business courses for independent uh, beauty, health, and wellness uh, professionals. And I also do business coaching. So I help people that own their own business uh, because I know what it's like being a business. Uh, and the challenges that come with, with that. So, yeah, I've been all over the map in the beauty industry, but, yeah. That's incredible. I didn't realize Image has been around since then. Yeah, yeah, and they've grown, you know, exponentially. Oh, we, uh, yeah. We're projected to be at 300 locations uh, by the end of 2023. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's <laughs> exciting. I love it. And I love helping entrepreneurs. That's the thing. It's, you know, it's all these individual business owners who have this craft and this thing that they want to share with the world and they want to make money doing it. And that's what we help people do. We help them, you know, realize those dreams. Absolutely. It's like people don't realize the full power of the beauty industry and what it oh can do gosh. not only for clients, but for the professionals in it. Just like that energy. We have very intimate relationships with people and, and, you know, we touch people every day. And one of the, it's to me, it was always about relationships, um, less about the hair, less about the product and more about building that rapport and those relationships with, with people over the long haul. And that's really what people remember and people take away from it. And I think it's one, we have this power to sort of change the world, to change hearts and minds, because when you're, having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with people, it's difficult to see them. It's diff more difficult to label them as one thing or another because you, you begin to see their humanity and they begin to see yours. And so I think that's one of the most powerful things that, that we do. And we play a part in people's lives, but we're not part of their life. So I can't tell you how many, like, spouses and family members of my clients have come up to me over the years saying, Oh my gosh, I feel like you've been part of our family for 20 years and I've never met you, but I know all about you. And you know, it's such a really cool, uh, wonderful gift that we have in, in this industry. What do you feel your superpower is? Oh, my personal superpower. I think it is that ability to, 
I think it is that ability to relate to people from all backgrounds. Um, I have had many a conversation with people who I vehemently uh, disagree with on many levels. Um, and yet I think that more often than not, we leave as friends. And I, th- I think that that would be my superpower is being able to relate to people. I, that That's such a beautiful gift. So <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad there are people like you who have that and wow. are able to create that safe environment for vastly differing views and you know people and and that's what we're talking about today and i would love to know how you've been able to create safe spaces inclusive spaces for people and i i know that's that's always how it should have been but i feel like in the last few years especially we've seen kind of that trend of you know, if you want a quiet service, let me know. Or, you know, this is a safe space for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, but what does it actually mean to create an inclusive safe space beyond saying that you are? Well, you really have to live it. You have to be it. And you have to embody uh, that change that you want to see in the world, right? And, you know, the the beauty, health, and wellness industries have always or have traditionally and historically been uh, safer places for LGBTQIA people um, because in the world, I, th- I think there's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, it tends to be a, a more feminine, safe space for people, I think. Um, it also, fashion tends to push the boundaries of what it means to be human and to express yourself. It's all about self-expression. Mm. And I think that's a lot of what, you know, as LGBTQ people, it, it's this ability to express myself and be myself authentically. And, you know, fashion has always played with gender. It's always played with color and art and creativity. And I think that it's always sort of been a reflection of what it means to be a human being. And so I think LGBTQIA people have always sort of been drawn to to the, these industries and they tend to have, I, I say safer because, you know, it's easy for me to say that as, as a cisgender gay white man living in a city. Um, so, um, but... I think creating safe spaces in the suburbs and in rural places is, is also important. And I think that nowadays with social media, we have this opportunity to do that and to change hearts and minds. And I love how you, you tie that into fashion and it's, it's about self-expression. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many, so much of the time people are just, you know, whether they belong to a community that has been, you know, tamped down or, you know, mm-hmm. went up, people feel afraid to express themselves authentically. Yeah. So what are ways that people who maybe don't have experience with someone in the LGBTQIA community, how can they, I mean, beyond just, you know, saying I'm a safe space, I want to be a safe space. What are things they need to think about? Like, you know, not misgendering people or dead naming people or um, how can they incorporate that into their services and their marketing even? Well, I think that the first thing is to educate yourself and to, to have some self-reflection 
where, what are my strengths? What are my superpowers as you, as you mentioned it? And then where are my, uh, where could I do better? And to listen to these communities and to listen to people and try to understand their point of view and where they're coming from and, and, and ask them. We don't want to sort of, I mean, I think the important thing is to be authentic and to really look inward first and, and recognize your own blind spots and, and figure out what those are first. I do think it has sort of become performative, you know, putting a pride flag on your on your door, but it's still important to show that, that that is a safe space. And then I think there's a couple ways that I think that you can create a space that feels more inclusive. And one of those is because of social media is to begin to sort of reflect the way that you believe and the things that you feel through social media. Because when people are looking to find a salon or a spa, they're going to go to your Instagram first and they're going to see what you're all about. They're going to see what your space looks like. They're going to see who you are. They're going to see who is invited into your space. Mm -hmm. um, I think for people in fashion, you know, or when we do photo shoots or we have models or we show different styles that we need to be more inclusive in the kind of people that we're showing uh, in, in those spaces. And that's one way to, to start then I think within the service, you know, there's some basic things like sharing our pronouns and, and, and never assuming somebody is one way or another and never trying to label them. So for me, in a consultation, perhaps, rather than show somebody what I think, when they say, what do you think would look good on me? I want to know what they like first. So rather than assuming what kind of haircuts they want to look at, I'm going to ask them to pull up Google and show me the kind of haircuts that they want to see, which is, is going to help me kind of guide me in the right direction instead of making assumptions right. about people. And, and that goes a, a lot of different ways. So, you know, I might see this sort of suburban mom come into my salon and I'm thinking, oh, she's going to want a suburban mom haircut. No, she doesn't want a suburban mom haircut. She wants rock and roll badass haircut. And she wants to feel sexy and alive and feel seen as a, you know, as a woman. Mm -hmm. And so those are the kind of things that she wants. And so trying to find, find that out. And, you know, I have friends, I've had clients in the, within the trans community who have gone in and had sort of negative experiences where the stylist, you know, misgenders them or shows them haircuts that, that really are not reflective of, 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 of them at all. And so I've, I've listened and I've heard those, those conversations. And I think it's important to make sure that you're not making those mistakes. Definitely. That takes a lot of letting go of ego, which is very hard yeah. for a lot of people to do. But I think, it's all about like allowing people to make mistakes mm -hmm. and lovingly educating them Yeah, to break through that, that ego wall. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think as a salon owner or as a leader, it's important for us to reflect that, you know, with the people that we're, we surround ourselves with and the kind of conversations that we have, not only on the floor, but in the back room and, and everywhere. And, it, it's important to begin to embody, embody that. Absolutely. Um, you know, having worked at some spas and salons myself, it's, 
it's very hard to manage kind of that energy and that environment because so much of the time there there's it's kind of known for being like catty or competitive. Uh-huh. Um, what are ways that you've been able to overcome that and, and make that environment be one that's welcoming and allowing of mistakes and growth and inclusivity? Uh, well, first is don't be catty and competitive. <laughs> I, I think this is sort of embodying that. You know, I again, I had for me, I can only speak for myself, is I have to look inward. And so when somebody elicits a reaction from me emotionally, I don't look to them to understand why they're not doing or behaving the way that I want them to. I'm looking inward saying, what's triggering this response in myself? Mm -hmm. What are my own prejudices? What are my own assumptions about this person? Um, First and foremost, so rather than being catty and competitive, I try to be empathetic and try to understand where that other person is coming from before, before I react. Uh, and it seems like a very small thing, but it's a really big step in understanding the people because I have been guilty of so much assumptions and labeling. And I'll, I'll use one example. You know, I, when I did the television work for ABC four, I started getting all of the sports guys now, I sports for me as a as a gay boy growing up were terrifying, and I was bullied and made fun of by by people in sports environments, and so I was sort of petrified of doing these sports guys because I thought that they would judge me and and and. But I was making all these assumptions about them. Uh, they ended up being some of my favorite people, the nicest guys in the world open, loving, um, understanding. And, you know, I couldn't have been more wrong about these guys. I love that you're able to take that moment and, and go inward with that self-analysis and, and be able to create those relationships further. Yeah. And you know, the, the easiest person for me to control is myself. That's the only person that I can control. Oh, and it takes a certain level of maturity and self-analysis to understand that. Yeah. And, you know, I, again, I look back at my career when I was uh, or earlier in my career, and, and there are things and times I, that I wish I could go back and do a little bit differently. But the best we can do is learn from our mistakes and, and move forward and try to do to do better. This is so true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like it took me into my thirties to, to like make that connection and figure yeah. it out and put it into practice. Cause that's, that's the hard part is you can know these things. You can understand, you know, how to be a nice, good human and how to understand where, what's, what's the trauma response and the trigger, Yeah, but then putting it into practice. Yeah. And you know, it takes time. It's, it's one step. It's one day after another. You don't just wake up and you're this enlightened being, you know, uh, but recognizing it. You know, I remember 20 years ago recognizing the dialogue going on in my own head and trying to reframe the dialogue when I found myself judging other people or labeling other people or making assumptions about people. Uh, And it's not like it happened over and like I had this aha moment and everything changed. You know, I've really had to work at it over time and, and I'm just doing the best that I can. You've had such an incredible journey. Like I can only imagine. 
you you'll, you know you're 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 we're still on this journey together right so uh yeah and i kind of circling back to you know those um those practical ways i feel like so much of the time people are afraid to ask what makes another human comfortable what makes yeah. another human feel safe yeah. because I don't, whether it's fear of offending someone or fear of coming across like they're making assumptions that maybe they shouldn't. But mm-hmm. what are some ways you have found that, you know, someone can ask those questions and, and be that person who allows for that other per- human to mm-hmm. open up? Well, the key is for me is to actively listen and pay attention and not try to talk, <laughs> listen more, talk less. That's really the key for me. And I think over time, it's hard to say this because after 30 years in the industry, again, one of the things that I think that, that, that we get really good at is holding space for other people. Um, and that I think... Some people are naturally good at that. And for many of us, it's a skill that takes a long time to really learn. If you let, if you give people the space to open up and the space to talk, uh, they just do. Or they, if they don't want to, they don't have to. There's no need for us to try and figure somebody out. So that's part of it. Instead of me trying to figure somebody out, just let them have the experience that they came to have. Um, and 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 providing the space for that to to unfold and asking the right questions. You've worked with so many, you know, as a business coach, as a as a, a leader in this industry. Mm-hmm. How do you work with people to help them be authentic and not feel like they're pandering to a community or, you know, just saying the things they think they need to say? Well, the key. This goes back to I can only do me. So if I'm coach if I'm coaching somebody and these are the questions, it'll always go back to um, the why. Like like let's talk about you and what motivates you, and and it's always going to come back inward and on in self reflection. Why is this important to me? Um, what am I trying to accomplish? How do I want to be seen? How do I want to be heard? And when I figure that out, then I can begin to provide that for others. When I can figure out what my motivation is, that will help me move forward. I do um, coaching as well. And with every single person, I start with, and it's cliche, and it's cliche for a reason, but you have to understand your why. You have to understand like that true purpose. And what what I try to help people understand, and I don't know if you do this as well, is that as beauty industry professionals, we have so much energy going outward. Yeah. Both with like running a business, growing a business, doing the services, you know, putting ourselves out there on social media. There's so much going outward. It's like when I ask people what their why is, it's always outward. It's still outward focused. Like others feel good. I want to give others confidence. And so what I try to help people understand is what's coming back to you. That's your why. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, in our business, if, if, if we don't take care of us, if I don't take care of me, there is no business. Mm-hmm. There is no business without me. Like, you know, the, the haircuts or the, 
the colors are not going to happen if I'm not there. I'm not there to do it. And part of our job is to make other people happy and comfortable. And if we're not happy and comfortable, we can't do that for other people as effectively. So I do think for, and that's one way to create an, it. I think one way to create a more inclusive space is to understand who you are and express that and let that be free. Because one thing in my strive to be Mr. Professional Salon Owner is that I started to put myself in a box and I started to put those things that made me fabulous. Uh, I sort of quieted those things uh, by putting on the uniform and by behaving the, the way that I felt like I needed to behave. And I started to make myself smaller to make other people comfortable. And I realized now that I didn't need to do that. Uh, that people will feel more comfortable if you just let it all out and live as brightly and as shiny and as fabulous as you can. And people will be drawn to that. And that will provide somebody with a more inclusive and comfortable feeling when they know that you're being authentic. Understanding of you don't need to put yourself in a box. You don't need to make yourself small so others can feel big. Everyone can feel big. Yeah. Everyone has permission to do so. Absolutely. You know, when we were talking about competitive and, and cattiness, you know, I learned a long time ago too, there's plenty of space for everybody to thrive and be successful and for everybody to shine. There's more than enough for all of us to, to thrive. I was talking with someone the other day that everyone has something they prioritize, whether it's golf or getting their nails done or whatever. And, you know, just allowing people to prioritize what they feel is important and be who they want to be. It's not a moral failing. It's not a character flaw because someone prioritizes golf and I don't understand that. <laughs> Absolutely. Let them go do their thing and I will go spend my priorities at the spa. <laughs> yeah. I want to be. And that's okay. Everyone gets Absolutely. to be there. Absolutely. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Oh my gosh. I hope we can have more of these conversations. It, Me it too. Was really, it was my pleasure. Definitely a kindred spirit. Thank you so much.